All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The first selection of the National Hockey League Draft belongs to... The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL Draft. Gretzky had it, lost it, Eisenman picks it up. Face-off. The Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off podcast with your host, Brock Seguin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 54 of the Daily Face-Off podcast. We took a week off for, I don't even know, probably no apparent reason. Trade deadline. Trade uh, deadline got yeah, us. Yeah, the trade deadline is pretty much the only reason why we should have been on the air, not taking time off. But anyways, I'm your host, Brock Seguin, with me as always in Brantford, Dylan D. Berthiam. How's it going, D? Uh, it's going all right, Brock. Hopefully my voice lasts the show. Probably could have used the week off this week more than last, but that's all right. Uh, you sound all right. As long as you don't go completely hoarse on us, we should be all right. And Michael Beebs Bondi also joining us, not in the man cave with me, but uh, no, pretty but close. my vocals are great. Um, and I was a little upset because we were supposed to actually do a musical only episode and because of Dee's voice, we couldn't. So um, so sorry, guys. Uh, that was the game plan, but you know, maybe one day. It's a damn shame. It's a damn yeah, you know, shame. no one wants fantasy facts more than just people singing them to them. That's really what gets it going. <laughs> but uh, since we kind of missed the trade deadline episode, um, we're still going to go back and kind of revisit the whole trade deadline thing. Uh, maybe even it 
could help us now that we kind of had had a week to take a look at some of the deals uh, and kind of how players have fit into their respective lineups instead of just straight up guessing like we would have probably been doing last week. Um, but it was a it was a mostly boring trade deadline. Uh, it's one of the most fun days for me to work just because it's so like intense and so many big deals usually go down. But it wasn't really as exciting this time around. Uh, but still, I took the day off work just to like I was like, oh yeah, the Avs are gonna make a deal. This is gonna be a big game changing deal for me as an Avs fan. <laughs> and what you did took they the do? Day off work. Well, yeah, it's trade deadline. You gotta do it. I used to always <laughs> take it off classes, and then I was like, you know what? It's game time. Like, I'm gonna get paid just to watch hockey and watch people get traded. So I took the day off work. Yeah, dude. Every single day of high school, like, I was just like, mom, like, I'm not going to school today. Like, yeah, it's call, high school. Though. Call me in sick. Like, I'm not going to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Once you turn like 25 and you have a real person job, you can't just be like, yeah, trade deadline day, staying home. Apparently, you can. Yeah. Or you can. Yeah. Not, yeah awesome. I made money to watch the trade deadline. So that's awesome. Good. Not gonna complain. <laughs> but uh, we might as well get right into it. Um, the fantasy playoffs are in full swing. I know I'm in one. Well, maybe not in all leagues. I know one of my leagues. I'm not in the playoffs yet, personally. One so. of my leagues, we're already in the playoffs, but we could do like a two-week um, playoff yeah, round, which is kind of fun. It makes it even more intense. And uh, I know this week, my one buddy's a massive Leaf fan, and he was over watching the Wings Leafs the other night. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got like Marner. Van Reems, Dyke, and Kadri going, and they all just, like, I'm pretty sure every single one of them scored a goal. I was like, oh, God. And then they all just did, like, the same tonight. Like, I was... Brock, lit- was that the same household where I rolled up in the third period playing Austin Matthews extremely loud? Was that that night? Yep. Yeah, that was you. That oh, was also yeah. that was also the same night you got your car stuck in my, uh, in my <laughs> backyard. Because I was bumping so hard the Austin Matthews song. Yo, do you got to hear, hear this story, man. There's just... Okay. <laughs> there's literally, like, this section of my... Ba- of, like, right near my man cave. Like, there's, like, a driveway, and then there's a part to park like on the grass but for some reason the one section of grass is just super soft like one of my other buddies (laughs) softer than brock dude oh dude one of my other buddies just got stuck there like a month ago and we had to literally pull him out with a tractor like just couldn't even get out so then beebs is stuck beebs comes knocking on the door he's like yo you guys gotta help me so me and uh, me and my buddy are trying to push him out we're trying to like push him out backwards and he just like he couldn't get out backwards like he was just buried so we're like okay like we're gonna have to just like see if we can push you out forward and then like i was literally like i didn't even care i'm like you can just go home just drive literally across my yard and get out instead we push him he turns the other way not towards my yard at all literally towards a farm field i'm like and the farm field is is the muddiest thing ever like if he gets in that farm field he's just like gonna sink he cuts like a little bit across the farm field and then all of a sudden He's like still going. We're like, hey, you can't take your foot off the gas. We're like, go, beeps, go, beeps, go. He's turning, he's cutting, and then there's like this little gully. It's like a, it's just like a huge gully in the uh, in the ground. He smashes this like thing. His car bounces up and down so hard. His his horn goes off. We're like, what the what the hell's happening? So then he pulls out. He he gets out. He's on the driveway, and then he stops. We go over. He rolls his window down. We're like, Beebs, why did you honk the horn? He's like, dude, I hit that bump so hard, my head hit off the the horn, and the horn just goes off. As someone with concussion problems, it's probably alarming. But also to add context to the story, I drive a 2007 Ford Focus, so like the smallest oh. of all cars. And really, like that thing should not just be treading mud. Through. No. Yeah, it was terrible. I was oh, shocked you got it. You're gonna man. kill me, dude. Oh, dude, it was so funny we, when he when he honked the horn. Oh, I was literally it's... dying, dude. I was like, dude, I think he just hit his head off the steering wheel. And then when he confirmed <laughs> the story, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, I thought that was... you're killing me. <laughs> I thought that was like something you only like see in movies, but it actually happened. <laughs> 
It was the greatest. I wish I could have like recorded it, but uh... Sally though, I literally like like right after I got out though, like I opened my car door and like I basically touched ice. Like that was my Sally. It was like oh, and just like grabbed ice and was like, thank God we didn't oh, get the yeah. car stuck. Guys. It was great. But anyways, that's and then uh... I met this smack and face off the car. Yeah, it oh. was so funny. But, it's all right uh, though. For those of you who enjoy my mug, ooh. it's good. It's good. Yeah, I'm trying right. so hard not to lose a lung right now. All yeah, yeah. Are, so. We'll get right into fantasy hockey because there's a lot less laughs involved there. But uh, oh, so let's now get. You guys know I get stuck in mud in my Ford Focus, and I'm kind of dumb. <laughs> no, you know what? I got to put like some pylons up there because I don't know for some Seriously? reason that part of the grass is just like it's just quicksand. So. Uh, it's my fault i tried to surprise you guys and like show up brock invited me over i had hockey so i was like oh i'll show up for third be super surprising and then i parked in a spot that you're not supposed to yeah (laughs) parks in the quicksand yeah every time it was good stuff though but anyways let's get into the around the league here uh and we're gonna start with the calgary flames who have been uh on fire uh the flames have won seven in a row and uh they are tied for fourth in the nhl with an 11 two and one record since february 1st um over that span, they're eighth in goals for and eighth in goals against as well. Um, basically, what is uh, what do you guys think has led to the Flames' recent success? Um, they were kind of like a bubble, a playoff bubble team. It looked like uh, a couple months ago, and then they've just been on an absolute tear, and they appear to have almost solidified a playoff spot at this point. Uh, Beebs, what do you think has really led to the the Flames' recent success? So not to pump our own tires, but a couple episodes ago, we called Sean Monahan and Johnny Goudreau are going to pick it up. And we said, you know, they're going to close the year. They're going to be great. They're going to be a lot better than they have been. Keep an eye on them. And that's honestly, for me, that's one of the biggest pieces is that Sean Monahan, Johnny Goudreau line looks unstoppable right now. And um, as we all know, a goaltending has always been an issue there. Calgary's always had a decent team. It's just they never, this season at least, it's just they never had the goaltending to back it. And now that Brian Elliott's kind of starting to play good, uh, they're starting to see a little bit of backing there. It seems almost like, uh, you know, they're kind of showing what we thought and what we kind of expected to start the year. And I think that's just kind of what's happening out there. Yeah, and the one thing, too, is we, we kind of talked about it. I know I was one of the people that was pretty high on Brian Elliott coming into the year, uh, and he made me look pretty stupid in the first couple mm-hmm. months, really. Made uh, a lot of people look dumb. Yeah, he, he just really underperformed, but he has been great. Um, coming into tonight, uh, he had won six in a row with a 213 goals against and a 931 save percentage, so... Yeah, I almost wish we could go back on our keepers for the Vegas draft from last week and then put Johnson out into the flood and then let we would keep Elliot. I think point, we did right? keep Elliot. Uh, yeah, we did end up. Did doing we? That. Okay. Yeah, I, sure we I was never keeping that, Chad Johnson. I just didn't. Oh. I, it's too hard to believe in a guy named I Chad never Johnson. Would. But, uh, <laughs> so true. but uh, D, Cinco. what do you really think has, has been the key to the success? I think it's definitely the goaltending. Like, obviously, like Beep said, uh, Monaghan and Goudreau, that line has definitely picked it up and probably just getting the bounces that they deserve and scoring mm-hmm. more along lines the pace that we would have expected at the start of the year. Um, but I, just if you look at the streak, like aside from the 6-5 win that started it off uh, on the 21st in Nashville, uh, the Flames goalies haven't given up more than uh, two goals in any of those games. Uh, so, you know, that's definitely a recipe for winning a lot of hockey games. They're up 4 nothing at the end of the second right now in Montreal tonight too. Um, or against Montreal, sorry. So uh, we'll see how that ends up playing out. The listeners already know, but it sounds like they're on their way to make it eight right now. Um, so, yeah, like I don't think you can overlook the goaltending, but they've definitely just um, – they they play better as as a whole, right? Like the, I think uh, the the D the the D just looks a lot deeper than it has, um, all season really. Like it it's no longer just that top pair carrying. 
Yeah, super um, underrated pickup when they got um Stone there. They got Stone or Murphy, one of the two. Whoever they got from Arizona was super underrated. Stone. 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 Yeah, yeah. Stone. Sorry, I, I had a huge brain fart there. But when yeah, they brought Stone like and a... I agree, it kind of completed that defensive core, and that's what Yeah, he's uh he's not like an amazing player in his own right, but it just no. really helped uh kind of the rest of the pieces shuffle into the right place, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um but above all else, I really do think it's the goaltending. Yeah, uh you guys pretty much hit on everything. Uh, I could have really said. I think obviously the improved play of Brian Elliott goes a long way. Uh, it's a lot easier to play uh, ahead than it is to play from behind. And obviously, when you have a goalie in there that's playing well, gives your team a lot of confidence. Um, and then obviously, I think the arrivals of Michael Stones helped, just like you said, solidify that blue line. Uh, but Kent Wilson, uh, writer for the Flames, he's, he tweeted this out on January 24th. Um, the Flames had a Corsi 4. Um, of 50, just under 57% in January with a PDO of just around 950 in January. Uh, and their their on-ice shooting percentage at even strength was about 5. So he was preaching, like, kind of just keep the faith, Flames fans. And it's really kind of uh, regressed here. And we've seen them play a lot better in the month of February and then now into March. So uh, they had a lot of things going for them, and now they all kind of seem to be clicking at the, at the same yeah. time, which is great. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see them doing good. It's it, it kind of sucked to watch them at the beginning of the year. Just it, it almost seemed like like no one had a clue that this was going to come, which no one did. And just watching those goalies struggle so much, it's great to see, you know, them kind of get something for paying off for going out and making a great deal like that Brian Elliott deal. Because I still do think that they did, you know, they didn't have to give up a ton. It was it did seem like a great deal at the time, and now it's good to see it kind of pay off. And you know, to see yeah, well, we talked about it. He kind of sh- like. I was surprised at how quick they went away from him. Yeah. Um, given that they had made that move and to get him, um, and again, like it was a combination of him not playing well and then Johnson doing really well when he was in there. Um, but yeah, like we said, uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago now. It was only a, a matter of time until he really just got the control back of that net, and uh, he's just the better goalie on paper, and he's really showing it right now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's funny now because uh, like a lot of people will kind of point towards Brian Elliott potentially being like the Flames' savior this season um, because yeah. of how he's played down the stretch. But I mean, without those some of those long runs that Chad Johnson went on earlier in the year, uh, they wouldn't be in the position that they're in now. So uh, that both goalies have got hot kind of at it's the true. right time while the other one struggled, and it's kept them afloat. Uh, with a win tonight, uh, obviously the the Kings are also in play uh, Thursday night. But with a win tonight, they would go to seventy eight points, which would put them ten points clear. Um, of the Kings who are just on the outside looking in, but the Kings would uh, end up having two games in hand, one of them, uh, which will be tonight. But um, we've seen a number of teams who are in contention still fire their head coaches this season and and hire new head coaches or interim head coaches. Uh, and it seems like a lot of these teams have played a lot better under their new head coaches as they you know than they were when they fired... Um, their previous head coach. Yep. Uh, so what I want to know is of the the teams are the Boston Bruins, the Montreal Canadiens, the New York Islanders, Florida Panthers, and St. Louis Blues. Of those five teams that fired their head coach uh, halfway through the season, which team has the best chance of making a Stanley Cup run under their new head coach? Uh, Beebs, we'll start with you again. Uh, personally, I mean, I, I do have to toss a ton of sh- um, credit, not shade, sorry, uh, credit to Doug Waite and the Islanders. Um because, I mean, that's super impressive just to see the turnaround. That team, again, almost kind of reminded me of Calgary just in shambles. Um, but I just don't like the hole that they originally put themselves in to begin the year. Uh, personally, I mean, there's a couple of really good teams who lost good coaches at the same time. 
Um, I do think Montreal is probably the one with the best chance, just strictly because of the team they have behind them and the goalie they have behind them. And I love Claude Julian still. I don't know why. I should probably stop. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, personally, I, I, I mean, it, it, we've never quite seen the amount of coaches being fired in playoff positions as we've, as we've seen this year, which is kind of crazy. But um, I love Florida's roster. They just they can't find the goaltending right now, so that's the only thing keeping me away from them. But overall, Montreal and New York are the two big ones that kind of stood out to me. But New York, New York's been doing great what they're doing. I just think again they dug themselves in way too big of a hole, and I'd rather see the um, a couple other teams make it in there instead of them. So that's just a personal choice. But I, I do, I do think Montreal um, is the team that's going to do the best and the best chance to make a cup run, just because of the talent. Um, they were an elite team to begin the year. We saw that, and I do think they're capable of getting back to that. Um, and if they do at the right time, once playoff starts, all it takes is being hot at the right time and that can uh, that can kind of take you there so especially I'm gonna with go with them. oh especially with carrie price i mean all that dude has to do is eat the right uh eat the right wheaties that week and you can <laughs> post two shutouts in a four game or in a seven game series and you got two games right there to yourself for a <laughs> so you know um but yeah personally it's a, it's montreal for me with claude julian beyond the bench um i think that team's gonna do at least decent at least win a round or two in the playoffs d how about you um, the, I'm going to go with Boston over Montreal. Um, the other ones, you know, I think are going to be hard pressed to make it in at this point. Although, uh, like Beeb says, it's definitely impressive. Um, kind of the turnaround that we've seen in all those teams. But to me, um, the only reason I'm going Boston over Montreal, like one, I think the, at least the 18 skaters, like, uh, no one was walking into a better situation. Like, uh, Boston was, is the best out of all these teams. I still think on paper, mm-hmm. aside from, uh, when you take Carey Price in the, in a consideration, which is obviously uh, a huge piece to bring into consideration, but um, <laughs> he's, he's not, he hasn't been, I'm not saying I don't believe in Carey Price because that's a very stupid thing to ever say, um, but he just, ha- he hasn't been the same Carey Price this season. He has been lately, right? He has been lately. Right, but, right, right, right. Well, and I do think he's capable of it, but um, I don't know, he's getting older, like he's had some injury problems. I'm just not quite sure. That he's capable of really doing it, but the one, the main reason that I really like Boston's chances, at least of making a deeper on the Montreal, I just think Montreal is going to get screwed over by the format, um, the seeding format anyway, because Montreal is going to get stuck with the Rangers almost in all likelihood in the first round, uh, unless they actually fall back, which would be better for them, you know, theoretically, um, if Ottawa passes them. But I, I think we could all agree, you know, Boston taking on Ottawa would be a better first round matchup than. Uh, the Habs against the Rangers, who have actually more points than the Habs this year, but um, <laughs> because the Rangers are fourth in their division, uh, they fall down in the first wild card spot. And the way the seeding works, that means they would get first in the Atlantic Division, which is the Canadians right now. Um, so it, to me, it just seems like Boston's going to have an easier path, and, and I still kind of believe in that Bergeron line. Uh, and I just think it's, um, I guess, more believable or at least more consistent right now than Carey Price, uh, which is the one reason I'm going that way. Yeah, uh, I'm going with the Bruins too, but before I really go into why, it, that playoff format is just terrible. Uh, it's, it sucks. It, it's it's mm-hmm. brutal. It's, honestly, you can, uh, it is bad, but you could never have imagined it working out um, the way it has. Like, you have four teams in the same division with a plus 40 goal differential, yeah. at least. Which is insane to think, how does that even happen when these teams yeah, have to I play agree. each other all the time? Like, yeah, right? the, and like the fact that the team with the, in the number one wildcard spot has more points than the Atlantic Division leader is just crazy. Yeah, it's it, just, it's nuts. Like, I, I, you see formats like this, and you're like, wow, you probably should have expected that to happen at this point. But this is a pretty rare situation, I feel like. Yeah, it, it um, definitely is. I just think it's... The second season in is pretty funny. And uh, that's why we're getting all this call. And I think it's definitely justified. I don't think there's any problem with reseeding 
uh, once you kind of have your eight teams in. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like the well, the one thing too is like the Rangers would probably still end up playing the Habs uh, if they still did one through eight as the four and five matchup. But uh, actually, no, because the Habs would have won their division. So never mind. Yeah. But I'm going with the Bruins. Um, yeah, they're nine three and zero when they're averaging three point seven five goals for and just two point one seven goals against under new head coach Bruce Cassidy. Um, they already were the best possession yes. team in the NHL. Uh, when they fired Claude Julian, uh, so you're right. He he walked into a, a perfect situation, and uh, I know the one the one thing that they kind of have focused on. Uh, I heard an interview with him the other day. Kind of, he was saying that they have changed basically nothing. Like their defensive structure is virtually the same. The only thing that they're trying to do now is become more of a cycle team. Um, they let you know they're chipping pucks in a little bit deeper, attacking the defenseman, and becoming a cycle team. Uh, more so than they were before, and it's paid off. I mean, three point seven five goals for, and just two point one seven goals against in twelve game in a twelve game stretch is super impressive. Uh, and again, I would absolutely love to play the Ottawa Senators in the first round compared to uh, any yeah. other team uh, that you could basically face like, in in the yes. Eastern Conference right now. But it's wild too uh, how big of a difference it is going to be for a team like the Maple Leafs right now. Um, who currently hold down the final wild card spot, or the Islanders? Like well, those teams are, are fighting for that final wild card. It's crazy how if if like the Leafs are able to jump over the Bruins for third in the Atlantic, the difference from going on the road and playing Washington and the, going on the road and playing Ottawa is just insane. Um, so yeah. I mean, like that third wild or that third spot in the Atlantic is so key. Uh, I mean, if, if Boston slips and then ends up. Mm-hmm. In the and second the wild card are, spot, uh, then they're screwed. Like no one's beaten Washington in the first round. Uh, yeah, and the Islanders are actually up in Vancouver right now, so they could yeah. even take that spot back before the end of the night. Exactly, but I mean they they would be stuck there regardless because how deep the Metro is. But um, let's take another yeah. look yeah, yeah, yeah. quickly at the trade deadline. Uh, we're going to talk trade deadline uh, winners and losers um, from a team perspective first. Uh, which team, Beebs, do you think was the biggest winner on trade deadline day? Uh, personally, I mean. It's hard to deny what Washington did by picking up just Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, I really do love that. Um, I can't. I can't address that anymore. You bring in an elite D-man into an arty team that's looking borderline any um, cup winnable. I guess if that's even a word. <laughs> it's not. But, but we'll um, go with it. But, but essentially, you know, you know, this is a team that um, that kind of people didn't talk about a lot because it didn't seem like they did a lot. But you bring in a guy who can pick up, you know elite minutes for your team on a team that's already this elite and uh and they just become terrifying so personally for me it was the washington capitals i love the addition of kevin shattenkirk that team didn't have to make any moves whatsoever and they would have been okay they still would have been one of the top three contenders for a cup i think we can or at least top five i think we can agree on that yeah um but once you bring shattenkirk into the picture you know you really you let people know we're going for it this year and uh and i really like that trade um it's uh of course you know it's a, it's one of those trades where they're only going to get them for a couple months it's going to be weird and when we're a couple years down the line and you see some guy at the bar wearing a shattenkirk jersey you're going to throw him props <laughs> because he's never playing for washington again but either way not um, necessarily good... true but that's yeah, true he could sign for something that it's unlikely that they find but he's gonna space. get a paycheck through his like he's not gonna know what to do with the money in the office <laughs> so, uh... no it's, it's yeah. unlikely but it's not totally 
improbable. It's not out impossible. of the picture. I agree with you there, but it's just, you know, I think he's going to, he, obviously, as he should, test out the market. You're the best free agent defenseman. You get all the money you can um, unless you have to go play for someone who sucks like Arizona. But we're not going to go there. Um, but anyways, I do think that they definitely uh, they definitely made a nice move in the, in the um, during the trade deadline. A couple others that I'm sure you guys will mention, but definitely one that stood out to me. Uh, D, who do you think the biggest trade deadline winner was? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say something that you're probably not going to hear quite too often, but I'm really impressed with the moves that the Vancouver Canucks management Oh, made. man, we should have talked nice. about this before. That's I exactly like this who, That's lot. my winner, too. I like oh, this dude. a lot, by the way. Man, I... Okay, yeah. how did they move Alexander Burroughs and get back like two top tier prospects and yeah. a potential first round pick in this? Like, it, it blows my mind, dude. Jonathan Dallin uh, putting up rates, I think, better than we. I, I, again, going off the top of my head, as Bill I always Forsberg. do. Uh, was it? I I, yeah. I was gonna say. No, I was gonna. No, compare... he put up. He's put up better numbers in like I think it's his second year. Um, in the Swedish yeah, league was, than Philip Forsberg did in his. I was uh, yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say Nylander, So that's. I thought we're gonna better, reference the year better actually, comparison but point. That's okay. No, but uh, he's yeah. He just scored a Hattie the other day too. Forty four points in forty five games uh, in his second full season in the Swedish league, league with twenty five yeah, goals. And then you look at uh, bringing in Nikolai Goldobin. Uh, am I saying that right? Yep. Nice. And he's slotting in. Like he's slotting. He had four right. yeah. Oh, he definitely is. Well, he had like forty points in forty five games, something like that, in the AHL at the time of the trade. Um so like two legitimate, legitimate prospects for guys that like uh, I don't even understand how you make the those kind of deals. Like those blew my mind. Burroughs and Hansen, like those are borderline top nine players right there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh <clears throat> of course the other condition a uh, conditional draft pick that actually can be a first rounder if the Sharks win the cup, which is, you know, not that far uh, Far-fetched, out no. of the question. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I really like the moves the Canucks did. Yeah. Uh, I can't really, I can't really pile on anymore, but they were my winner as well. Um, Burroughs and Hanson are nothing special and to turn it into <clears throat> a, a grade a prospect, uh, a former number one or like first, sorry, not number one, but first round pick, uh, like Goldobin, he was a kid that we were talking about before the trade deadline when I was saying the Sharks should just move out a guy like Marlowe and have Goldobin step into their lineup yeah, uh, yeah. and because yeah. they have some nice prospects. Instead, they traded him away um, for a rental in Yannick Hansen, which to right. me isn't the greatest idea, uh, especially, I mean, if you win the cup and you give up a first-round pick, whatever, because you won a cup, but uh, it seemed like a hefty price to pay for Yannick Hansen. Um, essentially two first round picks if you want to look at that but i i would say goldobin at this point is worth more than a first round pick because you know he's like he's a first round pick that's actually showing to have first yeah, round that yeah. actually shows they he's don't gonna like have they, a career the scouts and don't love his defensive ability but he's just electric uh electrifying o- offensively so you there's a lot to like defense exactly. you know what i mean you can teach that shit like people yeah, are so dumb he scored he right. scored his first i think he scored in his nhl or his not his nhl but his vancouver canucks debut yeah. as well so uh, he's been great. And I mean, that... ask Pavel Datsik, man. You can apply that same skill on the defensive side of the puck. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the other thing the other thing I was going to say is I mean, you look at these returns and it, you just kind of wonder what, what the hell the abs were doing, Beebs. I agree, <laughs> man. I couldn't agree more. There's a reason I took the day off work. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to sit here. We're just going to collect first round. I want Sergachev. I want Emelin. I want three first round pit. Like, it's stuff like that, but they did nothing. Colorado in the offseason, one thing that I do respect them for is now instead of, you know, having those eight teams who could actually deal, they can now work with 30 different teams where they can true, try to true, get something going. True. I don't think them keeping Duchesne is the worst idea either. I think keeping Landis Gog, uh, 
if you can get a decent return is is you know all these guys they still have under contract it's not like they were losing them so that's why it's kind of I'm okay with it. It's not like, you know, right. and it's not like, it's not like Verbata out in Arizona where he's not going to be there next year, right? It's like, yeah. And I mean, by the time that, you know, this theoretical rebuild happens, Duchesne should very well still be in a position to contribute. Um, it was kind of my same thought with the Kessel trade when the Leafs did it. it. It just didn't seem necessary to me. Kessel's still young. Like, look how the Leafs are already good, right? Can you imagine if we still had Kessel on top of this? Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's, it's not, not like that deal stepping in either. So. Yeah, no, Kapanen hasn't really made an impact with the new team. So, yeah, no, I agree with you there. The Absolutely. one thing, though, like, honestly, for me, um, I think that the Avalanche were, were right in not trading um, Duchesne and Landeskog. I mean, there's no rush to trade those guys. And why why limit yourself to the amount of teams that might acquire him at this point in this, acquire sure. them at this point in the season when That's you can just wait to the draft? And then like, they just really didn't have any But the quality. teams are more desperate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's yeah. when these type deals happen. The, For sure. The, but I mean, it's th- that's going to have to be a pretty complex trade. Uh, you're going to, uh, like, regardless. Like, yeah. I think, like, basically what happened was, I mean, we saw kind of the forward market be a bit down, especially on deadline day. And if the if the perfect deal didn't come across their table, there's no point in trading them, which I think is probably the case. And they really just didn't have many rental, good rental players. I mean, you look at, at their pending free agents and you're looking at guys like john mitchell renee bork right. uh fetter like so i mean like even no. even like vanek only fetched a third round pick so i mean what are they really they really weren't going to get a lot for these rental hey, guys that they hey, have you got so. dylan mcallrath oh yeah Woo. but uh d or, uh beeps who was your biggest loser was it the was it the avalanche uh no really um Person, I didn't really have a, a loser. I do have to admit to that one. <laughs> uh, but no, I honestly, the Avalanche, again, like you said, you know, they, they didn't have to make a move. It's not like these guys are gone. And personally, if I'm going to look at it, I look at the team that couldn't move Redeem Verbata. I know I mentioned it a second ago. This guy's having one of those years where he's, you know, Verbata's in the top 20 in scoring, I believe, at this point. He's kind of, it, it's a guy where I get why he wasn't moved. He wasn't moved because of his bonuses. Um, and people didn't want to pay his bonuses and that. But at this point, you might as well get what you can get for him. And I just don't like the whole idea of, you know, still having him because what use is he next year? He's not. Um, so overall, I think the biggest losers are all the teams who just couldn't move contracts that are gone. Um, but Verbato was the most glaringly obvious one that probably should have moved. Um, it reminded me a lot of PA Parento last year with the Leafs, but of course he was injured. So that's a different story um, during trade deadline time, but it was a lot like that. Um, but yeah, so personally I, I'd give it to Arizona um, I would have liked to see Colorado make a move. Would have liked to see a couple of different teams make make more moves than they did. Um, but at the same time, only because uh, you took the day off work. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing like sitting there and watching, you know, just nothing. a couple of fourth liners go. It's yeah. Like, oh, so this just in. There's a trade. Oh yeah. So I'm out. You're salivating all over it, and uh, and then it turns out to be a guy who's never going to play in the show. I mean, yeah. that's not. No, like yeah. I, the one thing I I heard an interview with uh, John Chaka uh, after the deadline there, and he basically just said like you know the right deal wasn't out there for Verbata, and he's like Verbata loves it here. We love Verbata, so they're obviously just going to re-sign him. Uh, wasn't his uh, wasn't like his playoff bonuses a big thing as to why the teams didn't? What it is, yeah. Really that's what exactly. that's really. kind of addressing there when I went over it. It's like you know those were the that's what scared teams really, and that's yeah. what would have tarnished his value. And but. you know what in. It sucks to maybe not get anything, but uh, they got quite a bit from Martin Hansel. Uh, they'll bring mm-hmm. Verbata back in next year, I'm sure, or this summer. He's a nice veteran but presence to mindset. play in your top six to you know bring the young kids along. And when you look, they've already got two first-rounders, a second, and three third-rounders 
um, heading into next uh, this year's draft. So they're already loaded in the draft. They're loaded with prospects already. So, I mean, it's if, if there wasn't the right price out there, I Not mean, what's the, the point? But, uh, I but mean, I'm of the mindset where even like Vanek going for a third, who cares? Because the Wings aren't going to resign him. Obviously, they might like Arizona might resign Verbata, but like for stuff like that, it's like, you know what? You get what you can get. No, for sure. Um, I think there's a lot of, I think a lot of the one thing though that we don't really pay attention to is the human aspect of it too like i feel like i feel like robot is probably like yo like if you don't have to deal me like do you mind not like i don't feel like moving (laughs) i like it here i'll I'll come back here for another million this off season he's like all right fine like unless i can get a first for you you're staying whatever you do do not send me back to vancouver yeah (laughs) but uh d did you have a deadline loser um honestly like not to just throw more hate on the sends but i like i i just hated that move so much um and there wasn't really other any other clear losers to me aside from maybe you know the abs not doing much but i do agree that they didn't have a lot of assets to move in the first place yeah. uh but to me no i just don't like the idea uh ottawa beat a team that's almost certainly going to be bounced by the second round of the playoffs i don't like your idea of you know marginally and i mean super marginally increasing your odds uh the chance of seriously mortgaging your future in Dolan. um like I, I probably wouldn't have traded him for Shattenkirk if I was the Sens. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I hated that trade. So for me, that's the only reason. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say too, uh, not a loser, but I did like what the Flyers did uh, in you know kind of moving straight, taking on the Filipula contract and getting a couple mm-hmm. draft picks out it's of it. Way better, a way better <clears throat> contract to take. Yeah, I actually think Filipula is still a super serviceable player. Uh, obviously getting paid a little bit more than he should, but that contract's off the books by next year anyway, and you can probably move him at the deadline next year if you're really inclined to. And he helps him down the stretch this year. Uh, they still have a shot at getting to the playoffs, so uh, yeah, I like that you move. Yeah, I'm impressed you said that. Because uh, after Filipula came out today saying, you know, he, he he did, in fact, veto that lease trade, so I'm, I'm impressed. That, yeah, you know? that, I, yeah, that was weird to me that he, I agree. that he did do that. He was down to go to Philly, but maybe it was just a Canada thing. Yeah, um, because because maybe he, honestly maybe he just didn't like playing for Babcock. <laughs> I thought he did like playing for Babcock. I know, but maybe like, I, I had read that he, he did. So no, I, was, I know, I, or at least he said he did. Exactly. He wasn't maybe like out, Mike Commodore just shitting all over the guy. No, yeah, that's definitely not for sure. Dude, Mike Commodore on trade deadline Mike day Comper. was just hilarious. Just like as borderline, it's like man, put down the bottle. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> like not to be rude but like it was glaringly obvious at that point like he got so out of hand like there's a point at which you know you rip on an old coach but you don't go that far like come on yeah uh, he, he was wild but uh for me the, the loser uh there is there's a number i i didn't love obviously that alex burroughs trade either uh that's a can lot you say montreal of, yeah and they are my losers okay, my loser are the canadians um yep. all and if everything they basically did was just to add you know so size and grit to their team they added steve ott andres martinson uh Dwight King. Dwight King. Um Dwight none King. of those guys are gonna I mean, yeah, add some size. I guess Claude Julian like loves the size. But uh none of those guys are gonna put you over the edge. I did like the addition of Jordy Ben. I think Ben's a, a really solid uh defenseman and he's played well in his brief time since being added to the Canadians roster. But uh for the most part they just they didn't give up a ton. Um, but they also just didn't really get better. Um, and if yeah, anything, no, not I think at all. That, if anything, I think they might have made their team worse. I mean, you're trading a guy like Sven Andrighetto for Andreas Martinson makes no Loved sense it. to me at Loved all. Love that deal, personally. Um, Dwight King really adds not a whole lot other than you know playoff experience. But I mean, like, how how far is that going to carry you? So I just think that Canadians. They just did. Like they Adam made a lot Ford of small moves that really just did nothing to their team. Um, 
No, it was the fact weird... that they just took on Steve Ott's hilarious um, for, to me. <laughs> yeah, you got Detroit getting a sixth round for that. It's like, thank you. Yeah, it's like, okay. We'll take that. We'll Literally take it. You mean, do you know, at least if we're going to try to credit the deals a little bit, you can say that, like, none of those guys are guys that you want to go up against if you're another NHL player. Um, but yeah. you can't you can't ice all three of them at the same time. No. <laughs> like, there's no way. They'll get walked around the, oh, the yeah. whole game. It's just like, they, they just, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of teams that you could have really picked to be a loser, and that was one team that I just did not think uh, really improved their team, even though they gave up assets. So um, we're gonna it was head- just weird. Like they, they, it's it's like they put all these. It's like they're in a fantasy league, right? And they put out all these offers, like just to a bunch of GMs, and they all ended up accepting. Because yeah. like, yeah, they, and it's like, like they only crap. needed one of these guys. Right? Yeah. Like, what is weird? I don't know. I didn't after get a, after adding I, Ott and King, with the fact that they still thought it'd be a good idea to trade like a young scoring God, winger, it was for probably just delayed absolute, over the yeah. wire, dude. And they're just like, oh, oh shit, that's that, that offer was still out there. Forgot Damn to cancel that proposal. Damn it! <laughs> but we're gonna throw it over to the Blue Stones. Uh, we're gonna head to break. When we get back, we're gonna continue to talk fantasy deadline winners and losers, um, but this time from a player and fantasy perspective. Uh, and then, of course, we're gonna continue our expansion draft segment when we talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets, Dallas Stars, Detroit Red Wings, and Edmonton Oilers. So enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here in 60 back ladies and gentlemen to episode number 54 i am not dylan d berthium i'm brock segan this is not normally how we do things but Mm -mm. d D was yeah he's got his voices you know kicking his ass right now he doesn't have all the vocal cords ready to go but he also has the biggest fantasy boost from the trade deadline uh locked and loaded ready to go so d which player received the biggest fantasy impact boost uh from the trade deadline um, I guess it is the most, but it's more or less just the most obvious. So we're just going to get it out of the way early. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky, uh, as a guy, you know, we've kind of been championing on this podcast in the past as, you know, one that could definitely step into, uh, immediate, you know, kind of fantasy one, a status, uh, if Bishop were to ever leave and, you know, lo and behold, that's what happened. Um, they were going to have to make a decision eventually on Bishop and they clearly have. So Vasilevsky is the future and seems like the present right about now too. Yeah, um, everything. In in five games, you know, uh, since he's taken over as a starter, he's four zero and one, giving up just seven goals on 170 shots. It's good for a 959 save percentage out of that. Span. He's just been ridiculous. Yeah, and we we were talking about right, the one game he lost was the one on Monday night, a one nothing overtime loss to the Rangers. So. I was none too happy about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely doing his part. Um, yeah, so I, 
I guess we're just getting the most obvious one out of the way early, but I like I don't think you can make an argument for anyone else because um, Vashlevsky went from you know uh, a fringe probably fantasy relevance you know be more of a handcuff to a, definitely a must own and like I said probably a one A if not one B fantasy goalie uh, in all formats. The one thing too was that he wasn't playing that great before the trade, and Bishop right before the deal was like I think he won five in a row before he got traded. Bishop was lighting it up, so it didn't even. Looked like there was a lot of playing time in the near future for Vasilevsky. And then he went from, like, maybe not getting any games, really, except for back-to-backs, to automatic number one starter. And the Lightning put a lot of faith into him, and he stepped to the plate in a big, big way, which is nice. Uh, Anders yep. Lee just had the biggest boss shift with no bucket on, and then it led to a goal, and it was excellent. Just no bucket, just muck. Another super high thing, Colorado just went just won to go on a two-game win streak. So just Longest noticed. streak of the year. But... Uh, <laughs> It's not a streak. <laughs> but Beeps, who is your biggest uh, fan? Which player got the biggest fantasy boost at the trade deadline for you? Um, player I got the biggest fantasy boost for me was also the biggest suitcase of the trade deadline, which is kind of crazy. Um, so for me, it was Mark Strait who got moved out to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Tampa Bay um, Lightning legend Mark Strait. Yeah, which we're kind of, yeah crazy. I mean, Things whoever if anyone owns a Mark Strait Tampa Bay Lightning jersey, that is awesome. <laughs> Almost as good as people wearing like an Andrew Wiggins Cleveland Cavaliers jersey. Anyways, we're not touching that. Um, but uh, yeah, so Mark Strait got traded as everyone knows to Tampa, and then got moved over to Pittsburgh, which was a great deal for Pittsburgh. I felt, um, especially in the middle of what's kind of been going on here with Chris Letang. Uh, D kind of talked about it earlier. He uh, he has been put on the IR, and we're not totally sure how long that could be. And this is where Mark Strait kind of really gains his value. But one thing that really stands out, he's played three games for them so far this year um, against Tampa, Buffalo, and Winnipeg. So not terrible teams, but not good teams. But he does have four points in those three games. And out of those four points, three are on the power play. and On the uh, second unit, one too. Th- yeah, he's, he's elevated that second unit so much with, with the absence of uh, Daly and Latang. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, mm-hmm. he's been a huge, a huge little boost. And for a lot of teams, I know even personally, I picked Mark straight up. Um, a lot of teams, you don't have that solidified last D-man on your fantasy team. If you can kind of grab it's this true. guy to get a couple nice points for uh, going into the playoff series, he's a nice little pickup there. Um, he's not going to totally hurt your plus minus too much. I know we don't try to focus on that, but anyone playing on Pittsburgh right now is uh, – with their elite scoring potential is going to be in the plus. He's going to get some secondary assists, stuff like that off that power play. And, uh, and as I mentioned, you know, he is getting those power play points, which if you do count that in your league, that can be uh, super useful. But overall, as long as, uh, I mean, you never hope for Latang to be injured, but as long as Latang is injured, straight's value just continues to rise. And, um, and to the point where I'm not going to say it's like, cause Justin Schultz is pegged in that first unit but mark straight could easily be justin schultz if anything were to happen to him so um i can't believe the year schultz has had like it started off like wow this is crazy this is crazy it he's just been ridiculous i love it though yeah it's it's good i took so much shit in edmonton it's good to see it straight though too has always been such a consistent fantasy producer so yeah he's a what he's done so far in, in three games is really nice. I know I've picked him literally every single night on DraftKings because he's, like, so cheap because he was sh- kind of shitty this year, and it's been awesome. So I like that. Uh, since he's been on the team, they, they haven't scored less than four goals a game. I mean, he's a really nice uh, yeah. addition. And if they nice get team. healthy, I mean, that's a, like, you obviously you look at Crosby, Malky, and Castle, all the boys up front, and then if they get healthy heading into the playoffs, you look at uh, a blue line that could consist of Chris Letang, Trevor Daly, a great Justin Schultz, Mark Streit, um, and then Brian Dumoulin and Ian Cole have been really steady as well. So, like, that's a, a you know, 
kind of what looked like it was a weakness maybe coming into the season Crafty for, for the Penguins. The they've really they've done a nice job of patching things up. Um, I don't think yeah. that Jim Rutherford gets enough credit um, for what he does every single year. He kind of seems to be one of the busier guys on trade deadline day every year, and, and every move he seems to make seems to work. It's it's wild. And Mark's trade was a nice pickup for them. Uh, obviously, a big boon for his fancy value. Um, the guy I wanted to talk to, obviously, uh, I'm. I'm Love Andre Vasilevsky, so I wanted to tell him a little bit. But since D already got that out of the way, uh, a guy who's really his own percentage is super low. Uh, Thirty-year-old, thirty-one-year-old, sorry, Drew Stafford. Uh, obviously not the player he was before, uh, but he is just one year removed from a twenty-one goal season. Uh, but then obviously the additions uh, of like somebody like Patrick Line in Winnipeg bumped him down the depth chart. Uh, but now he finds himself in Boston on the second line with a red hot David Krejci and David Pasternak, who's had a tremendous year. Um, so that's obviously going from uh, the fourth line playing with Chris Thorburn to the second line playing with a, a great 200-foot player uh, and also great playmaker like Krejci and the Passion Act has mm-hmm. been excellent. Uh, that's a huge boost for Drew Stafford, and he is a guy who's scored 30 goals in the past. He does uh, have a knack for scoring goals, so he is a guy that could – uh, you know, pick it up and heat up down the stretch. It was kind of an underrated pickup. I think they only gave up a sixth round pick. So a bit of an underrated uh, pickup there. Uh, and he does have a goal, two assists, and a whopping 12 shots on goal in his first three games in uh, a Bruins uniform. So might be worth uh, a look in deeper leagues. Uh, and then we might as well jump right into the guys who took the, whose fancy value took the biggest hit on trade deadline day. All started off with John Carlson. Um, obviously, I still like John Carlson going forward because yep. he plays 20-plus minutes a night on the NHL's best squad. Um, but anytime you go from um, a position where you played on the top power play unit that just all you did was just feed Alex Ovechkin for 1T bombs constantly to a second power play unit that like you still will occasionally feed Alex Ovechkin because he doesn't seem to ever get off the ice uh, on a power Feeding play. Jason Williams for yeah. some 1T bombs? Yeah, Justin Williams. Not Jason Williams, Justin Williams. <laughs> but Jason Williams, will. that's a throw. <laughs> Jason Williams coming oh, out of retirement. Basketball player of all time. But obvious, anyway. <laughs> obviously, uh, I think moving from that top power play unit to the number two unit is quite a big hit. Uh, for somebody like John Carlson. I don't think it'll affect his his value too, too much, Um, but there really wasn't a lot of big moves on deadline day, which really kind of limited the impact it could have had on... um, on some of the players across the NHL. There wasn't too many we big We wanted more losers. people to be negatively impacted. Yeah, but I think John Carlson was one that was pretty heavily hit uh, by the Shattenkirk deal. Uh, Biebs, who was your trade deadline loser? Um, my trade deadline loser... Uh, pretty easy one here. Ben Bishop. Um, this is a guy who kind of people came to this year. We even addressed it. He was a you know he's a top five ranked goalie. People were drafting me in that regard. And if you chose between Carey Price or Ben Bishop, then you're really losing right now. Um, because he's now splitting starts, if not less, with um, with as we all know Jonathan Quick, who came back uh, the same day or a day before Bishop was traded out to L.A. So obviously, uh, much like Peter Budai losing a lot of value by going and backing up Vasilevsky, Bishop uh, lost quite a bit of value by losing his starter status, and he now just becomes a great spot start, really, um, or someone who you know you keep as your third goalie. He's no longer anywhere close to a one or two unless Quick somehow hurts himself again. Um, but for now, um, Ben Bishop, definitely the guy, and and it's not like we didn't see this coming. Um, not like it's something we didn't call over and over again. And over again. So, um, <laughs> just called uh, it so Bishop. many times. Yeah, like the amount of weeks where I'm like, Bishop's going to be traded. He's going to be 
good. Like, do not. Um, so, yeah. So, no, Ben Bishop, definitely a guy who um, who took a big hit. Um, and, and just it's mostly because of just the position he plays. Goalie's such a hard position to, um, you know, it's nothing where it, it, if he was your number one and he just moved out to L.A. and now becomes a backup, you could honestly be, be the best team in your league and all of a sudden just move back into the middle of back in an average fantasy team from that type of move. Um, but if you're also having Ben Bishop lead your fantasy team, then I don't know how good the league is in general. But um, True. especially this year. But <laughs> um, but, you know, just in general, you know, just just losing a guy like that. It's like. Um, it's like not i'm not even gonna compare it to other sports but it's just such a <laughs> such a weak position not weak but it's just a position where the elite are elite and when they get there's a big drop off for sure nice there is a big drop off and um if you're if you needed the starts and ben bishop's on your team then that just doesn't help you at all like it's 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 be. weird because he is a loser in terms of how he's gonna like his, the number of starts he's going to see is definitely going to be yeah, cut down. But, his but he is playing. Behind, he is playing to get. Like we talked about how Peter Budai was excellent. How Jonathan Quick maybe not that great, but the Kings are just so good at suppressing uh, the other team's offense. Uh, we could mm-hmm. see Bishop's counting stats slightly improve. Uh, it hasn't been the yeah, case in his first two starts, but um, I just don't think I agree, Beebs, that he is a loser because you're not going to see like at this point in the season. I don't think he's going to see enough starts to really be. Uh, crazy relevant. Um, I just personally wouldn't want to imagine myself having him as my number one goalie and seeing that. Well, trade yeah, exactly. Like, I wouldn't know what to do a lot of people got a lot of people got hit hard by that deal. But uh, D, who was your loser before we get into the expansion draft stuff? Uh, yeah. So you know, we were talking about this, and you're, you're right, Brock. Like, I, I do think it's kind of tough to identify uh, a lot of just outright losers here because there wasn't a lot of big names moved like the Shattenkirks that just kind of takes like immediately takes someone's role. Um, but, you know, just to piggyback on the Carlson, I think Matt Niskanen's kind of in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy who's definitely fantasy relevant and probably still is, but he's wavering on borderline. Uh, he's still really good at even strength. And obviously the Capitals are. Um, but Carlson just moved down to Niskanen's spot. And, you know, Niskanen's you know, holding on to power play time right now, uh, kind of by a thread. So I think he's kind of in the same boat there. Um Hansel and Vanek, you know, are two guys. Uh, Hansel, you know, I don't think had a lot of fantasy value before him, but a- anything he had is just diminished now. Going from a first line role in Arizona, almost said Phoenix, to a third line role in Minnesota, uh, and and Vanek, like, uh, like we were all surprised at how well Vanek was doing, and uh, I'm hard pressed to, you know, even like I'd be hard pressed to kind of. I th- sorry, I think he'd be hard pressed to even continue what he was doing in Detroit. Um, so going to a situation where he's not going to be uh, out with the first unit automatically every single time, just going right to the front and then out on the power play. Uh, I expect Vanek's numbers to take a drop as well, even though Florida's a better team overall. Uh, and then another one too what, really? that I think. Bo- what? Yeah, just barely. <laughs> eh? <laughs> um, another one uh, just uh, to throw in there. Beavs wanted me to talk about him a little bit. Was Budai. Um, any value he still had because he probably did uh if you know if the kings don't make that trade budai probably does get a little more uh probably than you would expect uh starts down the stretch just because of how well he's played throughout the year um but you know with how well vashkolevsky's played that doesn't really seem like that's gonna happen at all so i think budai um not rosterable at all at this point talk about a kick uh, in the balls eh just like plays so phenomenally yeah. replacing uh jonathan quick the, like literally the day quick comes back like yeah we don't need you we'll bring in ben bishop oh, instead see you later but, but i mean, a little bit I mean of a realistically if you're boost. gonna get traded like 
playing in Los Angeles would be awesome, right? Like you get to just be on the beach all the time and during your off days. But I mean, if you're going to be traded from LA, at least you're going to Tampa. So it, it didn't get too, too bad for, right. for Peter. I mean, Rocha. California's nicer weather though, right? Like Florida, yeah, you got like a Tampa. dry heat. Oh, and like you got to be like on the lookout for like hurricanes all the time. Florida's crazy, dude. The people that live there, come on. Yeah, I was gonna say there's never been a better before? time though. It's spring break. Yeah, yeah. You guys rolling in with that sweet flow he's got this year. That I think I feel like uh, I feel like Peter Buda's spring break years are behind him. <laughs> no way, he's a young. He's an old Fabio. He's a young thirty-three-year-old or whatever he is. But uh, let's continue now with our expansion draft stuff. Uh, we've already talked about. Um, our first eight teams were a little bit we're lagging a little bit behind because we missed a couple weeks but we'll continue this because as you guys know our podcast will continue into the fantasy um, or sorry the NHL playoffs so uh, we'll get it done uh, regardless but so we've already talked about the Ducks Coyotes Bruins uh, Sabres Flames Hurricanes Blackhawks and Avalanche Uh, today we're going to cover the Blue Jackets Stars Red Wings and Oilers um, so basically, if you've missed the last couple episodes, we are recap. We each just decided which teams are going to keep which players, and we've come up with a collective list of um, all the guys that they're going to protect, all the guys that are going to be exposed. We're tracking this, and at the end of the whole thing, we're going to draft our own Las Vegas team. So it's not the guys that we think the other team is going to – the teams are going to keep. It's the guys we think that these teams uh, should keep uh, – so just a little bit of fun. Uh, before we get into it, um, I don't know if you guys saw the other day, but like during the GM meetings in Boca Raton, um, basically Boca it Raton. sounds like uh, the NHL is going to suck all the fun out of this whole Vegas expansion draft yeah. thing. Um, they're like they're not even going to like like release the lists of who has been. Uh, protected and who is exposed is kind of just gonna happen which is just i hate that turn it into a big show let's go draft by draft just oh like yeah all, just dude like it, the they, every, let the fans watch it would be draft. unbelievable yeah so i don't know how exactly it's gonna work i don't think it's been officially finalized but it sounds like the nhl is doing the most nhl thing ever and just sucking all of the fun out of it um well, so do we even know if like the no lists are going to be made public no that's the thing they're... like they're not making the list public like that's what they oh, said not. the other day that's what it sounds yeah. like i don't think it's been officially like I, well the teams would definitely want that dude because oh, we yeah. talked about but there's some yeah. situations uh, guys like cam ward um you know where not getting protected if that was to get out uh could definitely you know cause some rifts in some player team relationships how um, did they do it so that's like, boring Minnesota, but i'm not man. totally surprised yeah it's a different time different time dude yeah uh no it was definitely the same way like they're following they're following precedent for the most part um but yeah no like even like the internet was nowhere near as uh yeah yeah yes pierre Pierre lebron tweeted out uh yesterday the nhl also the nhl also discussed with gms whether or not they would reveal each team's protected list ahead of the expansion draft gm said no so unless yeah, it changes, a peers league won't make public each team's protected so list stupid. in Why June. Why would they leave the GMs? Of course the GMs would say no. Yeah, yeah so obviously. Ridiculous. But anyways, let's get right into it. We'll start with the Blue Jackets. Um, D, why don't you handle the Blue Jackets? Uh, Biebs, you can do the Dallas Stars. And then, of course, Thanks, I'll take man. the Red Wings. Uh, so, D, we'll start with you. Um, let the listeners know who we decided to keep uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, so getting into it, uh, kind of unfortunate. They got four guys they have to, uh, you know, protect uh, for no movement clauses. Dubinsky, 
Felino, Hartnell, and Bobrovsky. So definitely uh, kind of screwing themselves a little bit there. I'm sure when they handed out all those no movements, they weren't expecting an expansion draft uh, to come into play. <clears throat> so on top of that, we have them protecting Brandon Saad, Cam Atkinson, Boone Jenner, and Alex Wenberg. Uh, all pretty obvious picks, I think. Um, and then we got Jones, Savard, and Murray on the back end. Uh, some key exposed here. We got Matt Calvert, William Carlson, Josh Anderson, Jack Johnson, and Jonas Corposalo. Obviously can't protect both the goalies. Uh, so, guys, who, who, do you, who do you think first? I think the only uh, real borderline one would have been Jenner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this was a weird <clears throat> one. Jenner was a bit borderline. I know they like William Carlson uh, as well. I think William yeah. Carlson, uh, Josh Anderson's a young up and coming player. I think that uh, one of these players is obviously going to go. I think Vegas yeah. has got a lot of interest in probably, I would say, Carlson, Anderson, even potentially Jack Johnson. I know he's got a big contract. They need to get, um, well, I think they, there's a good. They're going to need to get the floor. We talked about this, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that. I think that Jonas Corposalo is in a lot of danger, too. I think the Blue Jackets are really worried mm-hmm. about losing him, too. Uh, so the Blue Jackets are one of the teams we've done this, and a lot of teams haven't really been exposing a lot of good players. But this just goes to kind of show how deep the Blue Jackets uh, have made yeah. their team. And, um, I mean, you can only lose one of these guys, so hopefully yeah. uh, for their sake they get lucky. Um, Which is why I don't think Corposalo is going to go because... Um, there is going to be a lot of good goalies out there. Yes, there's going to be more good goalies than there are uh, yeah. young forwards. And I'd rather uh, slot Jack Johnson in my top four than Corbisalo in my third goalie. Yeah, person. I mean, Jack John- and Jack Johnson might be a decent thi- uh, just decent pickup, uh, at least for one year, because he is a UFA in 2018. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're not committed to him um, for long term, and he, he is a, a solid top four guy for, uh, for a first-year team. Um, to remember the exposure rules from last week, if you weren't listening. Uh, every team has to expose two forwards that have played at least 40 games this season or 70 games in the last two seasons and be yeah. under contract going into next year. Um, they also have to expose one defenseman that meets those exact same requirements and one goalie who's under contract next year. So um, they have four defensemen that meet that criteria, uh, Jones, Jack Johnson, Savard, and Ryan Murray. Uh, so they had to expose one of them. Uh, we went with the elder statesman on the back end in Jack Johnson, which I think we can all agree might get a look from uh, from Vegas. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting pick, man. And like, I think if I were them, Columbus would be one of the teams I circle back around to, uh, just because I don't like. We haven't really seen a team where, um, you know, we've seen Silverberg. Like, yeah, okay, he's probably for sure going. Um, there's been some like that, but this is probably the first team where we've seen Vegas actually has some options to choose from. Yeah. Um, sure. So I think they'll probably be wise to kind of fill their roster out elsewhere and then circle back to the Jackets and kind of pick up on what they need most at that point. Yeah, and I and I know Jack Johnson takes pretty takes a like not everybody loves them some Jack Johnson, but uh, I think he would help a, a young team like that out a little bit. It's hard to find quality defensemen that uh, in your first year like that. So, but I know William Carlson will attract a lot of attention as well. But D or sorry, Beebs, why don't you go ahead and uh, list the Dallas Stars? Yeah, absolutely. One thing before too that I have to mention is it's so funny watching people react to these signings, um, like the signings, like you know. The, the uh the guys who are getting signed like the bartowskis and stuff for you know just for the protection clause or for to put out there yeah. and people are like why is my team signing this guy what is this stupid deal it's like guys guys there's yeah. a reason behind signing a guy who's not going to get well yeah and like two two weeks ago we <laughs> talked about it when we were talking about the blackhawks i said they're probably going to sign um somebody like roosevelt or or uh johnny and, o- and then they signed they go ahead and sign roosevelt literally two days later and i out. tweeted it out because yeah. 
everybody was freaking out. Like, they signed Roosevelt and Tutu, and everyone's like, what the hell? And then it's just like, guys, like, relax. It's just yep. for it's just for the exposure requirements. So now, Super smart. just by Who doing was that, it? It was Van Reemsdyke and... Jordan Tutu. No, but who was the guys they were in danger of losing? Oh, Van, Re- Van Reemsdyke or, like, Hartman. Or, or, and Kruger, Kruger, right? Yeah. So, yeah, which we talked about, and those guys are just too good to let out. So yeah, but they're so in, they're fans, in, they're in a tough situation because like they literally have se- like six seven no, no eight guys on no movement clauses, so they are pretty much uh, screwed. So, uh, Biebs, go ahead and read off the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I got uh, the D Stars. Um, so <laughs> we have obviously with no movement clauses. I don't know why I said obviously, but anyways, no movement clauses. Jason Spezza, um, Jamie Ben. And then also we're going to keep uh, on forward Tyler Sagan, Cody Eakin, Rhett Ritchie. Yeah. I apologize. I should know which Ritchie brother that is. Um, Faxa. Radic Faxa. I'm just struggling with first names. <laughs> um, and then obviously everyone's favorite KHL stud, uh, Nishushkin. And then on defense we have um, John Klingberg, Jamie Alexiak, and uh, Adam Lindell. Um, and then in goal we Essa, have... Essel uh, Lindell. Essel, Sorry. Um, <laughs> the struggle is real. I'm just pulling these. Um, and then uh, on goal we have Kari Lettman. Um So um, some a couple of the key names that we we kind of exposed here and ones that we could see um, we could see Vegas taking a hit at. First off, Antoine Roussel, um, a role player, obviously, um, but definitely someone who we could see you know Vegas needing for that role to be kind of the fighter, but also someone who can um, take up a nice third or fourth line minutes. We got Patrick Sharp who's becoming a UFA, so just kind of a little asterisk. Yeah, they're definitely not even protecting him. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, We have Adam Cracknell, and then uh, Dan Hamhuis, who's a nice little back-end piece, big contract on him. Another uh, huge hitter out there, Stephen Johns, who's um, definitely kind of an intriguing name that a lot of people might not realize, um, has logged quite a bit of NHL minutes in the last two years. And then um, Anthony Emmy finally at the the end there, um, as our key names exposed. Obviously, we don't think Niemi will get touched because we've talked about it, how strong those goalies are that are kind of yeah. shooting out there. Now, um, the, the, the stars were tough, though. Like, especially, I think the one, I think we've Nichushkin. pretty much nailed it, <clears throat> except for maybe not keeping Nichushkin. Uh To have him, like, under your control is a nice piece because he's obviously uh, a, a promising young winger if he decides to come back. Um, so basically, what boils down to them is, is either they keep Nichushkin under their control or... They uh, keep Antoine Roussel. I think that's the only other option. Uh, and it if it depends. Was, I yeah. think Roussel's gone personally. Like I think if you're Vegas, you take this guy on. Right, not, and I don't think Vegas would. Um, no, I do think they would probably go after Roussel. I also think they'd be super interested in Dan Hughes. Yeah. Um, and I'm still not convinced the Stars aren't going to protect Ham Hughes, but you guys are. So. Well, I just think like I mean, then you got to take the two forwards out. That oh, that's just what scares me. No, I would just I wouldn't protect Alexiak. Yeah, and even Alexiak is a, is a questionable one. They have to expose one of Hamus or Stephen Johns, um, and they well, could keep, they could protect they could protect one of them. Uh, that was one thing that crossed my mind. I was like, Ah, oh, Penny Alexiak's awesome, so just yeah, keep she's uh, one Hamus. of the greatest Canadian Olympians ever. Yeah, you yeah keep no, him, right. I wouldn't be surprised to see them protect Hamus, so that we're not going to get to see. So, but I don't think like uh, it's going to be interesting though because. Uh, to me, like Nachushkin, like I don't see how an expansion team really. They could, like, I could be wrong, but I don't think they'd be interested in that, you know. Yeah, it's definitely and wasting a... the pick from the stars on that. No, especially it, it all depends, I guess, who's available, and it looks like there might be uh, some quality talent available to them, so they might yeah. not have to it's gamble be tough. with with somebody like that. But 
Um, who knows? Maybe Val gets picked up by them and, and, and shows some interest that if he does get picked up, he'll come back. So who knows uh, how that might work. Comes but to Vegas. I only want to play like, if I want to play in Vegas. Yeah. But uh, for me... Those uh, are his demands when he's left and they haven't changed. Yeah. I will come back. He, he's picked up 11 <laughs> he goals. created a franchise just for him. <laughs> he's picked up 11 goals, 13 assists for 24 points in uh, 36 KHL games this season. Um, Meh. That is good for seventh on CSKA Moscow. Uh, so roster. super meh numbers coming from Nutrishkin right now. Yeah. Twenty-one years old still. But no uh, let's talk about out. the Detroit Red Wings for a second. Uh, I haven't talked about them at all this Love show, Detroit. so it's nice to uh, squeeze in some Red Wing talk, even though they're poo. Um, yes. No movement clause for them is Franz Nielsen. Um, and then a input on this. Well, <laughs> up front they're going to keep uh, Henrik Zetterberg, Gustav Nyquist, Thomas Tatar. Anthony Mantha, Andreas Athanasiu, and I think Darren Helm. Uh, and then on the back end, Mike Green, Xavier Roulette, and Nick Jensen. And then in goal, obviously, Peter Mrazek. Uh, Red Wings reporters earlier in the year were saying that they should let Mrazek go and protect Jared Crow. Um, that was embarrassing, and they should be fired because that is ah. ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, running joke on Red Wings Twitter is hashtag protect Crow because it's just asinine to even suggest uh, such a thing. Uh, so they're keeping Peter Mrazek. Can Marazic. I say I love watching you just like lose it now that Detroit's finally losing it. Like I love watching your Twitter. When yeah, it's just, pretty like, fun. It's, it's actually hilarious just because you've had it so well. So it's just nice to see. Like yeah. it's obviously at your expense, but you know. That's all right. I mean, I feel like I I reined it's pretty it in. Pretty sadistic for... reason, Beeps. Yeah, <laughs> you've I had feel it like... so well. It's nice to see you suffer. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> I think I've reined it in pretty well. Like I, I it was it. They they just it was a humongous falling from grace. I still don't really understand how they're this bad. But uh, anyways, the guys that they're gonna expose are Justin Ablocator, uh, the goalless Riley Shahan, um, Luke Glendening, Danny DeKaiser, Nicholas Cromwell, uh, to name a few. Um, the real reason uh, I expose these guys uh, is basically because all of them have shitty contracts, and I hope that Vegas takes one of them. Uh, specifically Justin Ablocator or Danny DeKaiser. That would be awesome. Um, I would hope that they take Ablocator. I still think DeKaiser can come around, but that contract's also terrible. So um, the Red Wings have a lot of bad contracts, and hopefully Vegas uh, helps them out. But maybe they've been reading a lot of the Detroit Free Press, uh, and they think Jared Carreau is worth picking up because he's a stud, apparently. Protect Carreau, baby. Um, And then for the Edmonton Oilers... Um, I talked to our buddy at the Nation Network, bagged milk a little bit about this one. Um, friend of the show. Yeah, yeah he's, show he, he wants to come on the show here in the next uh, little while as well. Um, so for the Oilers, they have a couple no moves. Uh, Milan Lucic, Andre Sakara, and Cam Talbot all locked in. Um, and then obviously keeping players like Jordan Eberle, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, um, Leon Dreisaitl, Patrick Maroon, and I think potentially Zach Cassian. And then that, it just, they, they're in a tough spot because they have to, um, they're obviously going to let Benoit Pouliot go and hope that somebody takes that uh, ridiculous contract. And then they have they to. Might, re- they might because they have to. Yeah. And then they have to choose to protect either Patrick Maroon or Letestu. Um, I think that they love Letestu, but at this point, uh, the way Pat Maroon's played this year with McDavid, they're obviously not going to let him go. Uh, so they ha- have no choice but to let Pouliot and Letestu go as their uh, players that meet the exposure requirement, which leaves them with okay. one last like forward Letestu, spot. Um, and Bags Milk decided that that would go to Jujar Kaira, uh, who, if you haven't watched any Oilers games lately, is an absolute monster. The guy is just He's humongous. Huge. Uh 
Bags Milk decided to let me know that uh, he met him apparently recently, and when he shook his hand, his hand literally <laughs> looked like a bet a baby's hand in Kyra's hand. So he's just an absolute freak. Um, and then on the back end, they're keeping Oscar Clefbaum, uh, in addition to Andre Sakaris, no movement clause, and Adam Larson. I don't think they're going to let Adam Larson go, uh, considering they just traded Taylor <laughs> Hall for him. Uh, so again, their key that's ex- still so funny to me. <laughs> their key exposed is uh, Benoit Pouliot, Mark Latestu. Oh. Iro Pakarainen, Mark Fain, and uh, Griffin Reinhardt. Again, uh, Bagged Milk said, I don't care who they take, we've got McDavid. You can quote me on the show saying that. Uh, so that's obviously uh, I not long, wrong. pretty I true. So, um, Such a good response. <laughs> but they're obviously in Oilers Nation <laughs> hoping that they take uh, Pouliot or Mark Fain off their hands. Um, but before we go, I just want to read you guys a hilarious little uh, blurb from an article. I'm not sure who wrote it. Somebody screenshotted it today. Uh, it was an Oilers writer, and it said, In the numbers, at least it's hard to see where losing Hall has harmed the Oilers, and much improvement in many areas is evident. And then literally right after that, the next sentence says, That said, if the Oilers don't get better even strength attacking out of their forward group, this team won't take the expected next step. <laughs> like, what? Like, what? what? You literally just said, like, they don't miss Hall, but if... Uh, you know, they could get more contributions in every single aspect of where Hall was excellent, then they'd be a better team. It's like, we, at first I was like, oh yeah, click me. Uh, but no, not yeah. It's terrible. No, it's, it's so unfortunate because everyone just likes to point out how much McDavid is carrying. <clears throat> and, you know, none of, it's like none of them even realize that Taylor Hall is doing the same thing. Not the same thing, or to the same extent, but he is doing the same thing in New Jersey's. And he's more than capable of carrying his own line at Edmonton. Um, so, yeah, still a terrible, terrible trade, despite the <laughs> fact that you have Connor McDavid or his fans. Yeah, and obviously um, having Connor McDavid masks a little bit of the, the deficiencies going on uh, elsewhere. But yes. that, team's, that team's in the playoffs this year, and uh, they're very excited up in Oilers land. Um, and then one last thing, we have a question from one of our patrons. Uh, he just wanted to know, what do you think the ideal distribution of players by position would be on a 20-man or 21 or 23 man roster how many is too many at each spot uh or do the variable make it too wide open to pin down and then he said i'll hang up and listen to your response um i'll just take this one here and say that it, it is kind of too difficult to say uh i think obviously if you're loaded at one position then you don't need uh as many players at that position because it's not going to be too much movement in your roster but ideally i think you'd like to have a, a you know one reserve at at least at each position um and then just it just all depends on strength i mean some people only carry two goalies if they have two really good goalies um i'm in the i'm in the mindset i always like to have at least three um and then potentially four depending on strength but it I, I, to me it always kind of depends uh where your strengths lie and i know one consistent that always the way i've always kind of built my roster is i'm always more uh forward heavy um, with you know stack forwards, and then I kind of just have a plethora of defensemen to kind of rotate in. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's something I kind of do intentionally, but it just seems to be like at season's end, that's kind of how my roster always looks. I just got a stack forward group, and then the D is just like meh, but just like a bunch of them. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's funny because the one thing I was going to say is I don't like uh, having like usually more than one extra defenseman. Um, and obviously depends on like who your defensemen are. But just like I think generally speaking, like uh, a fringe or waiver wire forward is just brings more value mm-hmm. um, in a given game than a defenseman does. Like a fringe defenseman is going to give you like 30, 35 points, right? So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, and you can't even count out the uh, the rotisserie spot at the end. Like I even sometimes will like it depends if you if you have a borderline forward, you you're, you're kind of questionable in the end. Drop that guy and use as many. There's a reason why they use weekly pickups as a uh, as something to limit people from picking people up. So if you're one of those leagues where you have seven weekly pickups, pick up a guy every single day to fill your roster. Um, doesn't matter who it is. They can go. They can put two shots on net. Have a zero 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 across the whole board. They still got you two shots that day where a guy will be sitting on true. your bench. It, yeah, true. Depends on your so scoring formats. Definitely just sure. depends. You know, kind of who you're rostering, um, strengths in certain places, stuff like that. Um, but I've always been someone to uh, to kind of you know if you do have the option to play that rotisserie last spot and to kind of pick up a guy every once in a while and you you have the time in your day to actually pay attention and uh, as bad as that sounds because a lot of people I know even myself some weeks you know I, I I don't have the time to pick up a guy every single day but if yeah. you do um, it's definitely something to look into and definitely something that can uh, can make a difference across week to week. Yeah. Yeah, I think Brock's right too. Like just play to your strengths. Um, and I would say like I almost always like going with three goalies. Um, even if you do have two really good goaltenders, like it, you'll 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 lose wins like just straight up uh, yes. a lot of weeks. Sometimes you just and need then, that extra start. Yeah, and it's like you already have the two good goalies, so you know your save percentage and goals against aren't going to get diluted by like an okay goalie too much, and you'll just take the extra wins when they come. And then if there's an injury, you're not completely shit right. Out of or luck. you can handcuff one of your guys. Um, and sometimes you know, again, depends on the league, but I I've had. Some leagues I have as many as four goaltenders. It just kind of depends. Uh, so you just play to your strength, play to what's available. I think the key is to not get too locked down on any one kind of idea. Yeah, it's got to be fluid, I think, like to have ex- – it is just too yeah, many variables. Uh, and then yeah. one other thing, it's not really a question, but I got to love uh, the passion here. This comes from at Steve McFireTarian, so he got his wish. Um, <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, he only follows six people, and uh, three of them are Beebs, Brock, and Daily Faceoff Podcast. I don't know why he's not throwing any love towards D. I love uh, it. But he just reached out to us 28 minutes ago. And said, where are you, boys? Your last show was 14 days ago. I got deadline trade day coming up, boys. Need help. Uh, unfortunately, gotcha, we didn't man. cover too, too much of the... Uh, buy low sell high candidates but um there was some small tidbits of players you could definitely target uh going forward uh or you know add from the waiver wire so anyways yeah, <laughs> and we me. will have weekly episodes from here on out we yeah. do apologize for that it, just in general. last week was just a little stuff. too crazy uh with everything i know i had uh obviously trade deadline day was just too much for me and then that next day i was in guelph uh picking up a puppy so that's basically yeah, i was swapping between then, jobs chris paws good yeah, Chris Paws. Oh my God, those names were hilarious. But anyway, we were sitting together trying to shoot. <laughs> yeah, we ended up uh, we ended up not choosing Chris Paws. Good, but uh, anyways, that has Brian been Brian Rafalski. <laughs> that has been episode Sorry. number fifty-four of the Daily Face Off podcast. I'm Brock Segan for Beef Bondi and Dylan D. Berthium. Have a good week, and we'll see you guys back here same time, same place next week. I heard you telling them that you need a man. You can defend Will I be the gasoline To keep you alive And I'll be the cold so unbreakable We burn together straight through the night That's alright Baby, be my
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 